more of the backstory on our Patreon page with exclusive interviews, outtakes, and the Lost Controversial Backstory Podcast. You can only get here. Support on the Backstory Bonus Level. Welcome to the Backstory Podcast. And this is the story of one of the most controversial. He was fronting, right? He was like, yo, I'm saying. Yeah, he ain't putting on no hot music right now. I got this record. I, 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 I. It's called business. Confident. You lose. Look at Cannabis. Cannabis was a talented MC. Yep. And he went up against LL, and LL's consistency broke his neck. And you can't forget Charismatic. No, that's right. Make him believe in me, baby. You make him believe in me. MC, actor, mogul that we've ever seen. 50 Cent. I'm sitting in front of you today, and I'm arguably the biggest rapper on the planet. Yep. In this podcast, I'll tell his story and play clips from an interview we did around the release of his third album, Curtis. This was way before we knew him as Kanan on Power. And during this particular time, he was coming off two major releases back-to-back and on the verge of releasing his third album. However, there was a new budding superstar who was coming off of his debut album, Kanye West, who was putting his own spin on hip-hop. 50 Cent is the greatest show on earth when it comes to marketing himself. He saw what was happening in hip-hop, and he decided to amp things up by releasing his album on the same day as Kanye West, which happened to also be the anniversary of one of the darkest days in our country's history, 9-11. I found out by the actual indications of the sound scan that my business was damaged to the point that Kanye West was selling more records than me, then I would probably allow them to release before I self-destruct, but I wouldn't do any promo. It was actually brilliant because it brought more attention to both of them. It was the battle of the street rapper versus the introspective creative rapper. And during this time, people took sides. So you genuinely believe that Kanye West is not going to beat you in record sales? No way, man. Later in this podcast, I'll share a conversation I had with a listener about 50 Cent versus Kanye West. Everybody calling up there saying Kanye, right? Okay. I ain't a hater, but Kanye is soft. 50 is more street. Yeah, it got that deep. Plus, I'm going to give you the stats on what exactly happened when on September 11th, 2007, 50 Cent and Kanye West both released albums. You'll get all that information a little bit later on in the podcast. One of the things that you'll hear from these interviews with 50 Cent is a lot of industry talk. All of the Southern-based music that you hear that comes out, none right. of it's connecting internationally. Right. Mm, they were. None well, of it. Things are so different now because of streaming. But 15 years ago, a rapper's ego was fed by getting that number one spot on Billboard and selling the most records, especially the first week. 50 Cent, a kid from Queens, on an island by himself in a rough-and-tough hip-hop game, shot and left for dead, survives, and connects with a hip-hop legend, then a superstar artist, who brought him to a legendary hip-hop producer and then launches one of the most epic careers in music history. You make them believe in me! You couldn't script a better hip-hop rags-to-riches story than the story of 50 Cent. So, here is his backstory. Akon, I got Akon on the record. Ah! He said he sold more records. <laughs> Who said that? Akon. He did say that. Oh, so. what? He said it a long time ago. He said uh, in, in the script that he sold more records than you. That's why you're talking. Numbers. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He, <laughs> did. he thought he did. I mean, you can't blame him for thinking you did. You know, he just was misinformed. Curtis Jackson was born July 6, 1976 in the borough of Queens in New York City. 
specifically raised in South Jamaica, Queens. Hip-hop may have started in the Bronx, but Queens had a major impact, starting with Run DMC and then MC Shan and Molly Maul and Roxanne Shante from the Queens Bridge Projects. But in South Jamaica, there was a special connection to hip-hop. The Prince of Hip-Hop was reared there. LL Cool J, the first Queens of Hip Hop, Salt and Pepper came up there. So 50 grew up while all this energy was building around him, not to mention Nas at Queensbridge, Mob Deep. It was just a lot of energy happening out of Queens and hip hop. His mother, Sabrina, in an effort to support her son, became a drug dealer. Not just any drug dealer, but one that was feared. And when Curtis was eight years old, she died mysteriously in a fire, which was speculated to be a result of a drug war happening in Queens. It's really hard to lose a parent at any age, but when you're being raised in tough economic conditions by a single mom and she dies when you're eight, that had to have a profound effect on him. He went to go live with his grandparents, still remaining in Queens. His grandmother was taking care of nine other children at the time, and 50 spent a lot of time in the streets. At 12, Curtis became a crack dealer. His grandparents thought he was in an after-school program, but instead his after-school program was the streets. In an interview he did early in his career, he talked about growing up with nothing and not wanting to burden his grandmother for a pair of Jordans. So dealing drugs gave him quick cash and access to the material access that many kids covet. If you saw the notorious B.I.G. movie, there's a scene where Big is sitting on the stoop writing rhymes, watching all the kids with the jewelry, the clothing, and the expensive cars. When you're growing up in the hood with not much economic access, many kids get seduced by the streets with devastating, long-lasting effects in their lives and their families as well. Most do not recover. Curtis was following in his mother's footsteps, slinging crack cocaine on the streets of Queens. The movie Get Rich or Die Trying loosely tells his story. By the age of 15, he gets his first gun. He was then attending Andrew Jackson High School in Queens, whose famous alumni include basketball legend Bob Cousy and LL Cool J and Jam Master J, who would also have a profound effect on Curtis as an artist and mentor. It was also during this time that Curtis was absorbing the explosive growth of hip-hop as he listened to KRS-One, Rakim, and Run DMC. And then he started the process of his own writing of rhymes. Coming up on the Backstory Podcast, Curtis Jackson takes on the name 50 Cent. 50 Cent means change. I had a different slogan for it. And a street feud sparks a beef that still continues to this day. I make a melody. Y'all would actually try to hit notes. <laughs> You're listening to the Backstory Podcast. I'm your host, Kobe Cobe, and this is the story of 50 Cent. You got Robin Thicke yeah. and you got Justin Timberlake That's on your right. album. But black singers can't get a, can't get a break right well, now? Well, black sing, black male solo artists ain't doing too good right now. What, what are we going to do? Wow. Neo, he busy doing I Can Love You Better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the only one you got is Neo. You don't give me that look. All right, look. Who else? Name, uh, wait, wait. Okay. You set something up now. All right. <laughs> Where do we go now? Okay. Like, like, give me black male solo artists. Music soul child. Yeah, yeah. He's he platinum me out of Philly. Music soul child. That's it. That's all you can offer? Tank, Tank, please don't go. Jay Holiday. As you can hear in some of these clips from my 50 Cent interview, he doesn't hold back on anything. So a 15-year-old drug dealing Curtis Jackson, who, again, was being raised by his grandparents and keeping his drug dealing a secret from them, was attending Andrew Jackson High School. And on one particular day, as he was going through the metal detectors, he got caught with a gun and drugs. He then stopped hiding his drug dealing from his family, dropped out of high school, and at one point he became a very successful drug dealer, bringing in almost $150,000 a month. 
It was then in 1994 that his fate started to change, and for the next few years, it would be life-changing. In June of 1994, at 18, he was arrested for selling four vials of crack to an undercover police officer. Three weeks later, after a police search of his home, they found heroin, crack, and a gun. Curtis was convicted and sentenced to three to nine years in prison, but because of his age, he served six months in a boot camp military program where he received his GED. It was at this time he started to seriously focus on rhyming. He also became a father and wanted to really try the rap game and get out of the hustling game. It was around this time that he took on the moniker 50 Cent. The original 50 Cent was a man named Kelvin Martin, who was from Brooklyn, and he got the name 50 Cent because he was a notorious robber who would rob anyone. And on one particular day, he entered a dice game with 50 Cent and ended up collecting 500 Others say he would rob anybody even if you had 50 Cent. Some others say he got his name because he was a little guy. Unfortunately, his life and crime was cut short as Kelvin was murdered at 23, shot in the stairwell of his girlfriend's apartment building. There are a few documentaries about him. Now, 50 claims that he is not named after criminal 50 Cent. Here is his explanation of his name. Initially, I had a quarter and five nickels around it in the shape of a cross. And it... um. I actually had a chain I was wearing, and then what happened was I got some money. So the chain didn't make sense anymore, and I changed up that style. But, you know, like, I I um, I um, had the name for a while before it actually took off. I was, like, 90, uh, 96, they were calling me that. As the rapper 50 Cent became more popular, the family of the original 50 Cent wanted him to pay for the headstone. We talked about it. Uh, you know, people start looking forward to you to buy. Like, he's, how long did... The original 50 Cent passed away 20 years, and now they want me to buy a stone stone. You know, like, and that actually came from Jimmy Hinchman, who was games manager right. at that point. He actually orchestrated the original 50 Cent DVD based on the actual Do Not campaign and everything else. So, you know, of course you would start hearing negative things from their family because he's feeding that to them. You're hearing in all of these clips that 50 Cent does not hold back his true feelings about anything. I really admire that about him because most celebs are very guarded. He doesn't care what you think, which probably breeds all the controversy and beefs he's had over the years. 50 Cent has a lot of haters. I think it's a fact. Doesn't success breed envy? Yeah, yeah. So there it is. Like, I mean, I can't remember these people disliking me four years ago. Right. It was eight of them, and they well, was when you all came- down with... Mar- with- Murder Inc. So, fresh out of jail, 50 Cent starts the process of taking rhyming more serious. He goes to a friend's house to start recording over instrumentals. He was then introduced by another friend to Jam Master J, the legendary DJ of Run DMC, who had started his own label, Jam Master J Records. He was having success with the hip-hop group Onyx, who had a string of hits during this time. Onyx was also from Queens. Jay taught 50 about how to make songs, hooks, chorus, general music business knowledge. I had a great relationship with Jam Master Jay. When I was first getting into radio, I was a huge Run DMC fan, and I met Jay as an intern, and we just connected. And when I got my own hip-hop show like several years later, Jam Master Jay would come down and do interviews with me and just support whatever I was doing, and he would bring his artists before they would get going. Early into the signing of 50, he brought him down to Philly to introduce him to me. He did the same thing with Onyx. He used his radio relationships to get his artists in the door, which was really brilliant on his behalf because who did not love Jam Master J? What I remember about the first meeting with 50 was that because of his legal situation, it was like an act of Congress to allow him to come to Philadelphia. All of us met, and I interviewed 50 for the first time in 1998. That year, he appeared on the track React from Onyx. 
You should Google the React video and you'll see the rough and tumble Onyx crew playing hockey against an all-white hockey team. And it was very physical. 50 was in the penalty box as he does his verse. This was the tail end of Onyx's success, and the song didn't do so well. The following year, 50 left Jam Master J and signed to Tone and Poke, a.k.a. the Trackmasters production team. They had a string of records out in the 90s and most famously did the Fiesta remix with R. Kelly and Jay-Z, which led to two disastrous collabo albums between them. That's a whole other podcast at some point I'm going to get to. Anyway, Trackmasters were hot and they signed 50 Cent in 1999. One day on his way to the studio, he writes a fantastical rhyme about robbing all the current day rappers and R&B singers. The song was called How to Rob. It came out in August of 1999 and it caused a firestorm of reaction. Again, 50 Cent was a brilliant marketing genius. He knows how to get his name out there and get people talking. Rappers claim to be so hard, but they're the most sensitive people on earth. Part of that is because of the machismo of being a rapper. And if anyone challenges you, it's like challenging your manhood. 50 Cent annoyed a lot of people on this song. He took shots at everyone who was hot at that time. In fact, at that time, Mariah Carey, who was his label mate on Columbia, had just separated professionally and personally from Tommy Mottola, the label exec and manager. 50 had a line in the song about her, and she threatened to leave the label if that line wasn't removed. So he had to change it up. And he switched it to Mary J. Blige and Case, who were dating at the time. I mean, everybody responded. Even Jay-Z famously said after the song came out, go against Jigga, your ass is dense. I'm about a dollar. What the fuck is 50 cents? Wyclef, Big Pun, Missy, Sticky Fingers from Onyx, Ghostface Killer all responded. But if we go back to the when you first started, when you put How to Rob out, although it was a joke, yeah. all the rappers got sensitive and serious about it. I, I never forget that. Like, I was like, I took it as a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go rob you. You can't say anything more to clarify it being a joke than saying this ain't serious. Mm-hmm. Did you get any of that Whitney money from Bobby? Uh, nah, you, I no, you, you didn't do that? I'm, I'm, I was just making it. That was desperation, baby. This up-and-coming MC was infamous out the gate, but that resonated with young people. They didn't know much about him, but they knew he was a rebel. Nas invited 50 to open up on his Nostradamus tour, and 50 started to go across the country doing dates. He also spent a lot of time in upstate New York recording his first album, The World Would Never Hear. One song on this infamous album was called Ghetto Quran, and it was leaked in early 2000. This was a song about Queens drug dealers, and 50 was specific about all of them. Names, nicknames, and all kind of details and stories about them on wax. It was highly unusual for a song to be released like that. This leaked song caused a lot of street controversy. His never-released album, Power of the Dollar, was scheduled to be released in August of 2000. His first single was with Destiny's Child. It was called Thug Love. So actually, Beyonce did a song with 50 Cent before Jay-Z ever did a song with Beyonce. Interesting. You should Google that song. In the span of 10 months, 50 releases How to Rob to a slew of controversy. He goes on tour with Nas. He records his debut album, a street song, Ghetto Quran Leaks, causing a bad reaction from the drug world. His first single is with the hot up-and-coming group Destiny's Child with lead singer Beyonce. I mean, life was good for Curtis. People were talking about him. However, a feud would start with an established rapper named Ja Rule that would end up changing the trajectory of both of their careers. In 1999, Ja Rule was robbed of his chain and supposedly saw 50 Cent at the club with the person who robbed him. That's 50's version of the root of the beef. However, Ja Rule says 50 was mad because he didn't include him on the Murder, Inc. video shoot for Murder for Life from Ja Rule's platinum debut album, Veni, Veni, Veci. Now, remember, Ja Rule, Irv Gotti, they're all from Queens. 
Later that year, 50 Cent records a song from his album, Power of the Dollar, that was never released, that, that mocks INC Murder Sang. They would then cross paths at an Atlanta nightclub, and some sort of altercation occurred between their camps. In March of 2000, 50 Cent was at a recording session at the Hit Factory Studios in Manhattan, and Ja Rule came there, and another altercation occurred, and 50 Cent was stabbed. Ja Rule was arrested for that incident, and 50 claims it wasn't that big of a deal. Coming up on the Backstory Podcast, more on this Ja Rule 50 Cent beef, plus nine shots that changes everything. The car pulled up on the side of us. A guy got out the passenger seat of that car, came around behind it, and shot through the actual car. Then staggering success. The I know, but it's like my center. album are like children. This is my third child. It's going to grow. It's going to probably be my, my first child is 12 years old now. You know, so 12 million records. We are now in the year 2000. This was supposed to be a career-launching, defining moment for 50 Cent, but it was for all the wrong reasons. He was signed to Columbia Records. A new single was out with Destiny's Child, but this leaked song from his debut album called Ghetto Quran was creating a really bad situation for him on the streets. Remember earlier I mentioned that this song talked about Queens drug dealers by name and some of the things that were going on with them. On May 24, 2000, a few months before his album was supposed to be released, 50 Cent was shot nine times in front of his grandmother's house. What does it feel like to be shot? Does it, is it a physical feeling? Yeah, it doesn't hurt as much as people imagine it hurts because of your adrenaline and how the shock of what's actually going on, it hurts after. The shooter was a former bodyguard for Mike Tyson named Daryl Hamo Baum. The Hamo stood for homicide. He was supposedly paid by a drug kingpin to murder 50 Cent due to his song Ghetto Quran. Three weeks later, a different drug kingpin named Damian Hardy, the ex-boyfriend of Little Kim, murdered Daryl over some drug turf beef regarding the Lafayette Gardens projects in Brooklyn. Damian was sentenced to life in prison for several homicides, including Daryl Baum. I hope you're all receiving this message that crime clearly does not pay. Mike Tyson was so distraught over the murder of his close friend, Daryl. If you Google Mike Tyson's post-fight interview in the ring after his Trevor Burbick fight, he talks about the loss of his friend. Now, there have been a lot of rumors about this particular situation. And supposedly, the drug dealer that put the hit out on 50 Cent was allegedly responsible for the death of Jam Master J. But I'll get into that in a minute. Back to 50 Cent, who was shot. He spent 13 weeks in a hospital. And he learned while he was recovering that Columbia Records dropped him and refused to release his first album. I actually have a copy of that unreleased album. It's called Power of the Dollar. In those days, the labels would send out albums before release, especially for new artists, to the radio DJs so that we could create buzz. Again, we didn't have all of the things that you have now to create buzz, and the, and the Internet was just kind of getting it going. This was a way for the artist to get ready for this album release by putting the album out early to get the DJs talking about it. Columbia Records was so fearful of all this real-life violence happening in the streets of Brooklyn and Queens that they severed all ties after they sent the album out. The supposed drug kingpin who ordered Daryl Homo Bomb to kill 50 Cent, also put out a ban on him and warned everyone, every label, every management firm to stay away from this kid. Now, many inside the industry thought that that was also being fueled by Murder, Inc., who was having a really good run at that time with Ja Rule and some of the other artists, and they were very powerful forces in the music business, and they supposedly, according to 50 Cent, were telling labels to leave him alone. 50 Cent was now trying to recover from being shot but also recover from his career being snatched from him. He would go underground recording a bunch of mixtapes. 
even went to Canada with his partner, Shaw Money XL. He would take popular songs and redo them with different hooks, creating a buzz for himself. He released two mixtapes, Guess Who's Back and 50 Cent is the Future. He also had reached out to Jam Master J during this time for a lifeline. Remember, he dropped Jam Master J to sign with Columbia, and Jam Master J was the guy that kind of put 50 on and mentored him. Now, Jam Master J was murdered in the fall of 2002 in his studio. His murder was never solved. But there has been some speculation that he was killed due to his support of 50 Cent, defying the drug kingpin's orders not to work with him. Again, this is all speculation because none of it's ever been proven, but it's sort of like what the streets have been saying. Guess who's back gets into the hands of Eminem, who at that time was a superstar artist and happened to have his own label, Shady Aftermath, working with Dr. Dre, who was a superstar producer. And Dr. Dre, a few years earlier, gave Eminem a shot out of nowhere. 50 had the newest superstar rapper and one of the biggest hip-hop producers of all time supporting him. And they didn't care about no band on 50 Cent. They saw the potential and signed him with a million-dollar advance. He put out a mixtape called No Mercy, No Fear, which had a song called Wankster, which was a dig at Ja Rule. Eminem then put Wankster on the highly successful 8 Mile soundtrack. The movie and soundtrack broke records, and it introduced 50 Cent to millions of Eminem's fan base, which was a general market audience. The song took off like a rocket. 50 had to leave New York City to get put on again, but this time he was set up for superstardom. Wankster crossed over to pop and got as high as 13 on the pop charts. He released another mixtape in 2002 called God's Plan, which featured a song called The Realist Niggas, which had a verse from the late Notorious B.I.G., so in addition to the success of Wankster, Realist Niggas took off and the buzz was all about 50 Cent. And he would not forget about his beef with Ja Rule, whose career was starting to descend at this time. 50 would take lots of shots at Ja, mainly for singing. But 50 was doing the same thing Ja was doing. And we talked about that. Then, of course, he throws more digs in at Ja Rule. But he also talks about making music at that time in history. I'm making, I make a melody. Ja would actually try to hit notes. <laughs> now laugh if you want. You didn't see Ja Rule singing in the rain with Mary J. Blige? Yeah. He would actually try to hit an actual note. And what note. are you doing? Me, I'm following the melody. And when I go outside of the country, like, they don't actually what? speak English. <laughs> I say I like the way 50 put words together. It's just, I'm going to use that for Kobe. Kobe, I that ain't late. Sense. I'm just, you know, a little delayed. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. My watch is when just I a different time. When I go outside of the country, right, I'm sitting in front of you today, and I'm arguably the biggest rapper on the planet. All right. Right? All right. And everywhere we go outside of the country where they don't actually speak English, guess what they can follow? What? The melody. Okay. So when you actually make it just choppy, rap, 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 hip-hop like that, it works here in the States, but they don't comprehend it. They can't get it. And watching hip-hop grow as an art form, I can tell you this, too, and this is a fact. All of the Southern-based music that you hear that comes out, none right. of it's connecting internationally. Right. Say mm, word. Well, none of it. June 26th was the last date that you could possibly ship an album worldwide simultaneously. So okay. when T.I. comes out July 3rd, it shows mm -hmm. you that Atlantic as a company has no interest in selling his album internationally. This is why I pushed back from June to September Okay. instead of July. So it wasn't because you were concerned about the songs you had out of no, time? No, I could have pushed it back three weeks, four mm -hmm. weeks. There was nothing else to come coming out in, right. in July. Right. Even if the, the, I would have got sales based on no one being there. You feel what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. the album, it still had quality material on it. It had other hit records that I could have got to.
One of the things about 50 that was very intriguing was his knowledge of the music business. But I'm not surprised at his business acumen and success in movies, television, and music. He was surrounded by Eminem, Dr. Dre, and Jimmy Iovine. He had to be a sponge learning more about business, and he was making business moves unlike other rappers at that time. And that particular camp was way ahead of everybody else. One of the themes of 50 Cent's career, especially early on, is taking a negative and turning it into a positive. The guy totally wears blinders and never sweats the heat, and he catches heat from all over. In fact, right now, he's going back and forth with his frenemy, Floyd Money Mayweather. I mean, at one point they were the best of friends, then they were enemies, and they got back together, and now they're going back and forth, dropping all kind of dirt on each other. It was during this interview that he was going at it with Cameron, who had had a nice run the year earlier, but was descending in this moment. And that's always a rough spot for a rapper when you're descending and this other guy is kind of rising and you guys go back and forth. I like to take negative things and make them positive. My mother told me to focus on the positive, and here I am. Okay. You know, Essence Magazine one time, they said 50 Cent, they called me, they said, oh, his, uh, his Coca-Cola colored slanted eyes are enchanting. <laughs> and I remember that. And I remember that because my mama told me to focus on the positive. Mm-hmm. So you said, all right, well, I'm going to take it and I'm going to name my album Curtis. But my question to you is, why did you even acknowledge the dude when we see that he's not sold any records? Yeah, but he was great for me. I used him. I used him in a major way. Like, I used him. I I went and made a deal on YouTube Uh before I actually made the music video for Funeral Music. Mm -hmm. And then when he responded, he spent his money to make a decent music video. Right. And he made everybody. But I had my own film production, so it was just like. But it didn't benefit him. It didn't at all. I guess because me and Ben, we were talking about it when it happened because, you know, uh, Cameron totally self-destructed this year with everything that he he did. Yeah, he did. He killed himself. But, But that's what happens. Like, artists, when you compete with artists, they can remain consistent. And carry that consistency, you lose. Look at Cannabis. Cannabis was a talented MC. Yep. And he went up against LL, and LL's consistency broke his neck. Mm-hmm. Just like I'll break the rest of these rappers' necks at this point right now. As we get to the end of 2002, with two records killing the charts, right around Christmas, 50 delivers a gem, a song that would change the game. And that song was called In the Club. A pulsating Dr. Dre beat and a rhyme about celebrating in the club like it's your birthday. Who couldn't relate to that song? I would equate this moment with Cardi B in 2017 with Bodak Yellow and even Cardi B with I Like It Right Now. A song comes out of nowhere and it catches on with everyone. That was In the Club from 50 Cent. It was the number one song in America for nine weeks. That never happens for rappers. As we entered 2003, it was the perfect setup for his official debut album, Get Rich or Die Trying. The album was released in February of 2003, and it was everything the people expected. Great beats, good storytelling. It was the pent-up emotions of having a dream, then being left for dead on the street, then losing your record deal, then a rival rapper who has having tremendous success from your hood and his team go out of their way to block you from being successful in eating. This album had all that drama. It debuted number one, sold 900,000 albums in the first week alone, another 800,000 in its second week. That is a very light drop-off for a rapper. Usually you drop off more than 50% in the second week. He only lost like 10%. The album was fueled with songs like 21 Questions, Many Men, If I Can't, What Up Gangster, P.I.M.P., Patiently Waiting, and so many more, selling a staggering 12 million copies worldwide, six times platinum in the States. Again, he sold six million copies outside of the United States. Rappers weren't doing numbers like that at that time. 
unless you were Eminem. 50 was now a superstar artist. When you got, they, I'm at the mount, right? I'm at the diamond. I got the bat, baby. I'm like Barry Bonds, right? There's two balls that went over here, two strikes. They trying to tell 50 he out, and then I get money. Money I got, I get it. As you can hear, 50 Cent lacks no confidence. Eminem gave him the opportunity, just like Dr. Dre gave Eminem the opportunity, to win on another level using his loyal fan base. At that time, I did a contest looking for 50 Cent fans to spend 50 minutes with 50 on my show. This young woman called in and said she had two 50 Cent tattoos. Now, this was before we had camera phones. I just couldn't believe it. This was the kind of fan love he was getting. Now, what possessed you to put 50 Cent on your body? Because that's permanent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here comes Jayo. <laughs> you, so does your boyfriend uh, appreciate you got Fifty Cent on your body? All right. Well, has any man that you dealt with? Yeah. What are they? So, so a man she that you dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> speak, speak right into the mic. So, so a guy that you dealt with, like he, you know, he's doing his thing, and he see Fifty Cent all over your body. I'm sure he got to say something about that, right? Of course, they can't, they can't compare. I mean. It's- How's, how's he supposed to feel when he can't measure up to 50 cents? Wow. wow. 50, you hear that? Yeah. Hey, yo, technology. No, that's right. Make him believe in me, baby. You make him believe in me. Woo. Oh, my God. Well, you you said that you had some questions to ask 50. So we're going to heavy hitter. You know how we do. We interactive. That's we're right. going to allow you to ask 50 cents some questions right now. You were on a little early. You kind of got, got lost in the maze here. But you are here now. You're right next to 50 cent. What you got to ask him? You got his hand on my yeah. No, I'm <laughs> um, all right. My first question, since we're talking about the tattoo, do you think I'm crazy for having two fifty cent tattoos? Well, I don't think you should. I don't think you're crazy. What? I think that. Um, I mean, I've been infatuated with people without. You didn't have to call yourself a groupie either, because I don't see any uh, Kanye West tattoos on them. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And I consider a woman a groupie if she responds to everyone that's in that position gotcha. the same. Mm-hmm. Not one person. And I've had. Like, early on, I've had people that just, a girl that just walked past me to go to the store that I was infatuated with. Okay. Didn't know much about her, just thought she was beautiful. You know, so there's enough references of me in the public eye for people to actually feel like they like me. Following his debut album, 50 would tour all over the world. He would start working on a second album in 2004, but something else was happening during this time. The rise of Kanye West. In 2004, Kanye released his debut album, College Dropout. Now, he was a breath of fresh air in hip-hop. His rhymes had meaning and a lot of positive energy. Not taking anything away from 50, but it was just a different type of project. Kanye related to young black men and women in that time of life, coming out of high school and entering college. He wasn't talking about drugs. He wasn't talking about violence. He was talking about Emmett Till, black history, the reality of being a young black person who was not involved in the streets. He sold a lot of records, too. 50 Cent was a street rapper, and his second album, Massacre, was being worked on while most in hip-hop were lauding Kanye for the college dropout. In March of 2005, 50 released his sophomore album with songs like Disco Inferno, the Scott Storch-produced Candy Shop, Just a Little Bit. The album sells over a million copies in its first week, sells over 5 million in the States, and 15 million worldwide. A few minutes ago, you heard 50 talking about global success. He understood the business and what was happening. 
I'm sure he saw Kanye coming, and Kanye would release his second album later in that year of 2005. But 50 had a connection all over the world that Kanye had not yet developed. 50 was meticulous about his projects. In this conversation, we talked about leaking songs. Now, keep in mind, the leaking of Ghetto Koran led to him being shot. So we talked a little bit about leaking songs in 2005 versus leaking songs today. And then he went into a discussion about what was kind of happening in the music business. Play like this. If you leak a record yourself with an intention, it's good. The timing, because you don't get a second chance at a first impression. Mm-hmm. When they let a record like that out on top of me, have like, what can I really do with my Robin Thicke record right now while my Justin Timberlake record's working? But there's nothing wrong with having multiple records on the radio that's it hot. Does, it doesn't matter. The, the multiple records, the multiple impressions are great. And this is what they should be doing with some of the new artists. That's like you had the guy, a guy like Soldier Boy. He mm-hmm. got a record. He had a dance. Mm-hmm. He's in the black. Like he done made all his money back for Interscope as a record company. Trust right. me, I see all his papers. I see where he at. Okay, you see what I mean. So he's in a positive space right now as a, an artist, and he wrote and produced the actual record. So he gets all so the he's money. Talented, right? You know, and he's done the kind of deal that makes them have his their interest in mind mm-hmm. because you know they have portions. Of- all right, we're gonna talk about you see what that. I'm saying, but at the same time, when you when you see artists get to that point, I just want to say this to you that they should invest in them by allowing him to have more than one impression before they put him on sale. Because he's going to flop when he's going to sell like that with that one record. I'll be very surprised because I've seen probably like a rock star have huge radio yeah. airplay and, and nobody go out to go get it. Yeah. And the kids enjoy Soldier Boy, but the kids don't got no money. You got to ask mommy for money. Later in 2005, on the heels of his two major album releases, 50, similar to Eminem a few years earlier, puts out a movie loosely based on his life story, and that was called Get Rich or Die Trying, the same name as his debut album. The people he had working on this movie were very impressive. Terrence Winter was the writer of the screenplay. He wrote a lot of the episodes of The Sopranos. He was also behind the TV show on HBO Boardwalk Empire. The director was Jim Sheridan, who was from Ireland, who had been nominated for 13 Academy Awards. Quincy Jones did the music. Now, everyone saw the success that Eminem had on 8 Mile and assumed that 50 would do the same with his movie, but this movie did not have that impact. In my opinion, they waited too many years to do it. It should have come out in between the first and second album, not after the second album as his career was starting to descend. Get Rich or Die Trying was considered a failure. Although they made the budget back, it just never matched up against 8 Mile, which had made over $100 million. This leads us to 2007, and this is really the time when you were hearing these clips from, and the release of his third album, which was called Curtis, which he moved from an early summer release to a late summer release and decided to drop it on the same day that Kanye West was dropping Graduation. Now, back in the day, it was sort of like this unsaid rule between rappers that if a big project was coming out, that they would stay out of each other's way. It's sort of like when labels are going for number one songs, they communicate to each other like yo i need this week to get this number one song going and so them two doing it at that time was really like a big deal and it happened to be september 11th the sixth anniversary of 9-11 one of the worst and darkest days in american history 50 was clearly descending at this time and kanye west was now becoming a superstar in his own right and 50 challenged him publicly you can google the mtv awards where a kanye west and a 50 cent face off a week before that album was about to come out. And 50 is this imposing, tough force sitting on stage, and Kanye's kind of like giggling and a little shorter, and he gets on his toes to kind of match up to 50 Cent. That was the energy happening, and it was brilliant because it brought attention to both of their projects. 
I mean, it pitted the street rap fan versus the intellectual college kid rap fan. Most thought 50 was crazy to challenge Kanye, including me, but that didn't stop his confidence. So September 11th is uh, a few weeks away, and you got an album coming out, and you've already put it on record because Kanye West has an album coming out. That If he sells more records than you, you are not going to record albums anymore. Yeah, you know. Well, I I have one other record that I've already recorded 12 songs for us before I self-destruct. Okay. And that'll actually be my fourth album. Mm -hmm. I signed a five-album deal, and the fifth album option is the greatest hits option. So after that record comes out, then, you you know, I don't have to. Okay. Record records anymore. I had to renegotiate anyway. So if there, if I was to the point, I found out by the actual indications of the sound scan that my business was damaged to the point that Kanye West was selling more records than me, then I would probably allow them to release before I self-destruct, but I wouldn't do any promo. So you genuinely believe that Kanye West is not going to beat you in record no sales? No way, man. Come on. What about the country guy? Uh, what's yeah, his man, name? Man. This is the guy. Where did he come from? Now, Kenny said, no, cut, in it. no, no, look. The <laughs> country he dude. He got a straw hat. He got a straw hat. He but just they, got a country, saying, country no, I artists, want in on that. I want in on that promotion, too. Country artists sell records. They sell a lot they of records. They sure do, but he sold records slow. He just sold four million records on his last album. So you're saying first week he's not a, he's not a factor first nah, week? No, he's not a factor, man. You know, going to have all them country boys saying, yeah, we're going to kick 50's ass. Let's go out there and get... Kenny Chesney. So what are you going to do if Ke- if he if he outsells you? Who? Kenny Chesney. Listen, I'm number one, man. I'm number one for reasons. For for more than just my attitude. For more than the actual... For the music. Okay. I've been able to deliver the best music continuously. You see so, what I'm saying? I get money. It's the hottest record. The hottest record hands down in nightclub right now. Other than that, you got a lot of ringtone rappers out there that play after me. Okay. But they don't have any substance outside of the actual record that's playing. And you've seen these guys come out with these records that played well at radio and they didn't have enough character or... To sell on the album. Yeah. yeah. They sold no records. Well, the ringtone game you is know, the new hustle. You know what I heard about Swiss Beats? You know what somebody told me about Swiss Beats? I cannot believe it. They what did they tell you about Swiss Beats? That uh, Talib Kweli is selling more records than Swiss Beats. Yeah, that was me. Oh, that was... Elia, you came back? Is that true? <laughs> yeah, he's on tap to sell, yeah. Okay, so what, so what? So your point being what? Talib Kweli is a good rapper. I mean, Tyler Carly is a good rapper, but his history of his sales is not great. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that means Swiss Beats is just not connecting to the public. Well, Swiss Beats is, uh, if from listening to his album, it's a very East Coast album. He has a radio play. It's really along the East Coast. He doesn't have any radio play outside of oh, and Philly, New York. Oh, that's a different thing. See, for me, my records is both of them will be in the top 10 by the time we get there. Your technologies that cross over in top 40 radio while your money is the hottest records in the club. It was so deep how people reacted to this moment in hip-hop history. I want you to check out this 50 Cent fan talking with me about the decision on what to do on September 11th. Not even that they could just buy both albums, which it kills me in hip-hop that we have to make a decision like today. Is it Cardi B or Nicki Minaj? Why can't we just like all the artists? But anyway, people take it that seriously and listen to this fan right here. 50 all the way, man. I'm going to tell you, man. Okay. Everybody calling up there saying Kanye, right? Okay. I ain't a hater, but Kanye is soft. 50 is more street. Man. Okay, so what is what's your definition of soft? Soft, listen to what he all right. I mean he more more um college you know what I mean, college bound And what's wrong with that? I mean, there ain't nothing wrong with that. That's I'm, I'm down for that high learning, but at the same time we want somebody that's going Why to are you labeling free. it negatively by saying it's soft? He's soft though, man. Because you go, it, because you want to rap about because you want to rap about going to college and education and stuff like that, that makes you soft? No, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that 50 is more into the streets. 
Okay. You know what I mean, I'm a part of the streets and stuff like that. I'm trying. What do you do on the What you doing on the streets right now, Rob? What, what do you doing on the streets? Man. Yeah. Yeah. What you a hustler? I do what I do. Okay. But you know what I'm saying. But out of respect for everybody else and stuff like that, they now you ask, listen to the audiences calling up there, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know more females buy CDs. Yeah, you know I mean that's a true fact. Okay. But at the same time, you know, we we as men we download, we do it the wrong way. But I'm going to the store, I'm buying that fifty. My whole team, the whole park side. Your street is squad, your squad from the streets, your hard, exactly. the hard cats. Exactly, and it's a whole bunch of us. <laughs> okay. So fifty, if we gotta buy two, three copies, my man, fifty, you gonna get that platinum. Okay. And that's real rap. You ride for fifty cent, huh? Yes, sir. Because he talk about the streets. He talk about that street, and plus he can relate. He on that. He can get on that romantic stuff, but he keep it on street. Can I ask? Mean? Can I ask you a question, Rob? Yes, sir. Because and 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 Ben is going to chime in in a few minutes. Um, I listen to both albums, and you know I'm a I'm a, a hip hop person. I like all kind of music or whatever hip hop music. I remember and you. I'm I'm not feeling the I'm not feeling Fifty's album, dog. To be honest, it's uh, not how I like that. No, you know what it is. It's like it's okay. It's not it's not a bad album. Don't get me don't get it wrong. But his album, and you, I know you, and you talked about the street thing. But when I hear his album, I hear gunshots. I hear, um, I'm a murder you. I'm gonna do this, that, and the other. Drive to. But listen to see, me. I didn't. I didn't. I could have had the sneak preview. But listen, listen. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm giving you my opinion. So I just want you to understand that. Okay. And like when I listen to Kanye West album, I walk away from his album feeling better. Like I just feel better when I listen to it. Like you know, music moves you. You know, you know that, Rob. So you say. Exactly. So I'm just giving you my side of the story because when you say it's soft, I ain't no soft dude. I know you. No, not. listen, I listen to me. I'm I'm making a point. I'm making a point so that you, when you say stuff like that, you understand everybody that's listening. I ain't. I'm so far from a soft dude, but I like Fifty Cent and I like Kanye West. But when it comes down to listening and who has the better album, in my opinion, it's Kanye. I'm tired of hearing about how many people I'm killing, how many drugs I sold, all that stuff. Like at some point, you cats in the streets because you a street cat. You guys are so smart that there's got to be other things that you could deal with than that. You know what I mean? And you know what? And you didn't say nothing wrong and all my peoples is out here listening to you man you like you our favorite dj no bull you know what i mean and i'm gonna keep it real with you but i, I want to keep it i want to keep it real with you because i just want you to understand that brother something to drive to i got you that's what i want to know and it's i'm dri- look and i'm driving to kanye you driving to 50 Exactly. And I still got both albums. I'm still going to buy both albums and to support both of those brothers tomorrow. But I think Kanye about. has the I've, It's not even I think. In my opinion, Kanye has a better album. Okay, my man. Thanks we'll for the call, see. though. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk next week. And you call me at 50 wins. You call me up and say, see, the hard cats. We bought all the albums, son. Hey, that's right. <laughs> all right, baby. The end result was that Kanye West had the better album and smoked 50 Cent. Graduation, Kanye's third album, sold 957,000 copies the first week. Now, remember, 50 Cent's second album did numbers like that. Curtis sold 691,000, but unlike his other albums, the sales plummeted every week. When it was all said and done, at a time when music sales started to decline, Graduation did 3 million plus and Curtis did half that. 50 Cent would then start to delve into more movie roles through his G-Unit film company, which put a show on the Stars Network called Power, which tells the story of a drug dealer trying to get out, but the game still pulls him in. 50 plays the psychotic Kanan, and Power has grown into one of the most popular shows on cable and the highest rated show on Stars. 50 continues to beef with anyone who wants to beef with him, whether it be the biggest people in the business or his frenemy Floyd Money Mayweather, 
who have the weirdest relationship in hip hop started off as best friends, then became enemies, then became friends again. And now they are beefing and dishing each other's dirt. It's actually fascinating to watch that. But again, 50 Cent doesn't shy away from any controversy. This was the story of 50 Cent. Coming up on the next Backstory episode, the story of actress Gabrielle Union, as she talks about how a harrowing incident changed her life. Basically, you know, when it happened, uh, gosh, almost 10 years ago, because it was, it was, um, you know, during, it happened during the course of a robbery, um, it was in all of the newspapers. I didn't have the opportunity to be anonymous, even though they don't release your name right um it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out thanks for listening to the backstory podcast get more of the backstory on our patreon page with exclusive interviews outtakes and the lost controversial backstory podcast you can only get here support on the backstory bonus level 